Hello and welcome to our newest podcast, Chipping Away. In this podcast, we take you through a journey of South Asia, the archaeology, anthropology, and all things nice in material culture. We are your co-hosts, Dirka and Akash. Over to Akash. Hey, I'm an archaeologist and I study stone tools and the South Asian Paleolithic. And I'm Dirka. I study anthropology of religion with some background in archaeology. In this podcast, we hope to take you through the different hidden facets of uh, South Asia's past, especially looking at evidences we don't find in literature. We want to look at uh, archaeological evidences and what we can understand from anthropology of the past. And through this, maybe open up different themes and questions that you might have on India's or South Asia's past. So if you have anything you'd like us to look at, just let us know and we'll deal with it in the near episode. And I think now is a very good time to just kick back, relax and let our brains sink into South Asian archaeology. Since we are all at home and have enough time to mull over things that we tend to put off, we thought let's give you some sneak peek into South Asian archaeology. Exactly. I mean, we're all going through difficult times. Uh, most of us think this is unprecedented. But even within our own lifetimes, we've had various such scares. Just a few years back, we had Ebola. A few years before that, there was swine flu. And a few years before that, there was bird flu. So we see that you have these cyclical uh, episodes of these events repeating itself. And if I can be a total nerd on the block, I think the cyclical nature is very much a part of the world and with and of South Asia in particular. If you look at South Asian thought in general, we believe in cyclical way of life, where after death comes life and then death again. But remember, there's always this phoenix rising out of ashes. Harry Potter reference. <laughs> exactly. And like the phoenix which rose from the ashes, I mean, just a hundred years ago, you had the Spanish flu, which people thought was the end of the world. And even today, we have survivors of the Spanish flu living with us. I know. And I think that gives us a positive perspective to life, that this too shall pass. And if we take a look at South Asia and the epidemics that South Asia was, let's say, plagued with, we have a rich history, uh, not a rich history a bad history of epidemics, diseases, illnesses. But the positive ray of hope was we made it through. There is a lot of literature out in academia and scholarship in general that talks about epidemics right from 600 BCE in the South Asian subcontinent. So there were various strains of jaundice, black fever, cholera, measles. But you know what? We made through all of that. Exactly. I mean, that is true. Uh, it's not just uh, literary evidences. There's also oral histories and traditions that talk about it. I mean, Siddhartha, that's Gautama Buddha, before he becomes the Buddha, the founder of Buddhism, uh, when he first watches out of uh, his palace for the first time, sees four great sites, one of them being a diseased person. So we see disease has had an important role to play uh, in the making of our society and culture. And since you speak of oral histories or oral narratives, I think it is important to look at some of the popular tales in South Asia that talk about various deities that are worshipped for diseases. And there's a plethora of charms, incantations and hymns for the elevation of diseases. 
I think we should rewind a little and go back to the age of Vedas, where Atharva Veda, probably the oldest text in South Asia, or one of the oldest texts in South Asia, talks about a body of elevation of diseases. There are some performative aspects, some chantings, some hymns, some deities who take care of fever, cholera, whooping cough for you. Yeah, that reminds me. I mean, it's not just in the past. I remember growing up when I had chickenpox, my mom took me to a temple and we did these rituals to ensure that I got better. Ooh, was that goddess Sitala? Because goddess Sitala in South Asia is known as a deity that cures pox, smallpox, measles and all skin-related diseases. Interesting. But I guess you also have uh, more modern deities for more modern diseases. I mean, I came across somewhere that there is a temple dedicated to HIV Amma, which, well, is a new and recent phenomenon. I think we as humans adapt and readapt and readjust our surroundings to help cope up with the situation we are put in. I think that just shows the resilience and a social psyche that we are bound together with. Exactly. And it's not just diseases. I mean, uh, periods of drought and famine also have plagued our important episodes in our past. And I think uh, when you mention epidemics, droughts and other natural ills, they bring the society together. For example, there was a recorded case in historical India, somewhere around 1300 of common era or current era, where central India was plagued by a 10-year-long drought named as Durga Devi drought. Ooh, remind me not to make you angry, oh great Durga Devi. (laughs) (laughs) And the interesting facet of this drought or the records of which is that the drought was credited to be a wrath of goddess Durga. So it was woven with sacral elements. So although it was a natural disaster, or well, not not so natural, with some human agency, but anyway, a natural disaster, it had some undercurrent or backdrop of being divine in nature. It was a way the society reconciled with this given bad event. Yes, and usually when you have these large episodes that cause a lot of death, uh, in the archaeological record, we sometimes find these mass graves associated with it. I mean, for example, we know from literary evidences in medieval Europe during uh, the Black Death or the bubonic plague, because there were so many deaths and people could not be buried in the usual uh, way, they used to drink these large pits and all these different uh, persons who had succumbed to the illness were buried together. So these mass graves, when we find in the archaeological record, we know there was some sort of uh, episode of uh, either disease or famine or war that plagued these societies. And considering that these societies continue to the present, we know that they went through, they they succeeded and they survived. Wow. But how do you analyze such such an archaeological record? Well, uh, not just mass graves. I mean, you have... Even in the normal sense, you have uh, people disposing of their dead in different ways. We have cremations, we have burials, we also have other forms of disposal such as smoke burials and sky burials, uh, which are also based on different communities. 
and whenever we find human remains in the archaeological record uh, people study evidences of disease on the bones so for example diseases like leprosy syphilis and uh, others uh, leave marks on the bones which uh, specialists called paleopathologists uh, who basically study disease in old bones look at to understand how when where and why such diseases could have originated right and paleopathology is the pathology of the old in layman's terms mm-hmm. and burials usually when we find are in multiple forms so we have three main types of burials uh, primary secondary and tertiary so primary burials is where the entire body is buried as is so for example uh, how you have egyptian mummies mm-hmm. they're an example of primary burials and i think even the burials from harappa from harappan civilization yes yes uh, so various uh, harappan sites such as harappa itself uh, farmana raki gadi and others uh, evidence uh, all three kinds of burials primary secondary and tertiary so when we talk about secondary burials it is uh, where uh, only parts of the body are preserved so maybe uh, either the person was left to a sky burial and then the bones or uh, other remains were gathered and reburied or uh, in the case of tertiary burials there is no body itself but just in memory of a person they are uh, burying the person like making a burial and for secondary burial i think we can look at the stupa in sri lanka where buddha's tooth relic is preserved under a stupa at kandy yes i mean stupas also uh, are uh, tertiary burials also because in instances it's not uh, the actual body part of the monk it's not his hair teeth nails or bones but even some objects that are associated with him maybe his uh, textiles some cloth he was using or wearing or maybe his uh, beads or some artifact that he used so stupas can be both secondary as well as tertiary burials hmm that provides an interesting perspective into how we as a society deal with death disease and demise in general that's true but it's not just uh, with regards to the social aspect where uh, disease has been important but when we look at it also economically and politically i mean when christopher columbus first landed in the new world early 1490s uh, more than uh, guns or armies it was the diseases that they bought that wiped out entire populations some estimates say within the first 10 years about 90% of uh, indigenous populations in these regions succumbed to various uh, old world diseases such as uh, smallpox and measles mm-hmm. which they never had experienced before ouch exactly and if it wasn't for this who knows where the world currently would be hmm and you know what when you're talking about people moving from one continent to, to the other or discovering new countries we have some evidence of arabic travelers and sufi saints traveling from saudi present saudi arabia to the western coast of india who brought with them some of the books and oral traditions and even unani medicine that talk a lot about epidemics diseases illnesses and ways in which you can combat that as a society by stepping up your hygiene game so there's one text in particular which is loosely translated as prophetic medicine it's al tib al 
Al Nawabi, which talks of the importance of hygiene and even some of some aspects of cure incantations and chants. So I guess even in the Middle Ages, they wanted you to wash your hands, eh? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And you know what? Another interesting part. They also have some agency of ghosts and spirits that take care of epidemics, diseases. Whether they spread it or curtail it is up to a devotee to dictate. Isn't that interesting? Oh, and a cool. <laughs> very. I mean, there have always been invisible killers out there and guess some people worship them. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's how... I guess society has always dealt with these invisible killers. I mean, until very recently, people thought it was bad air that caused disease and illness. So there is this report of Dr. John Snow, who identified the cholera outbreak in London, all related to one little uh, well, wherein this this lady had disposed of a baby's diaper. And that caused cholera for like hundreds and thousands of people in London and that is from where people could identify that you know it's not just it's not air but also water that could transfer diseases. I think the story of typhoid Mary is very similar right? It's possible but all I can say is that this John Snow did know something after us. <laughs> the name John Snow cracked me up. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> I was thinking of winter as being the bringer of maladies. But now we know there are more reasons to that other than winter. <laughs> well, winter could come and go, but well, time is cyclical. So once winter goes, winter has to come back some other time. Eh? That's true. Well, digressing. We'll get, let, get back off track. You know, just know that no matter what happens, uh, just listen to what advice is given. Stay safe. Take care. Wash your hands and be careful. And like every other epidemic and disease in the past, we will and we should get through this. At the end of the day, human beings as a society and as a species have been resilient to an extent, just stubborn. And that will help us see us through. But if we should take the right precaution. That's right. And kudos to this resilient species that we are. And it's a wrap for this time. Please put in your comments, suggestions, and even some pointers for us to look at. See ya. Until next time, keep chipping away.